why Utah was initially denied statehood and some of the fruits of Mormon polygamy. We're going to talk about that next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Last time, we quoted from a publication entitled, Utah Statehood, Reasons Why It Should Not Be Granted. Salt Lake City Tribune, print 1887. The cover page of that book is pictured on the screen. And this is part two of that discussion. And Dorothy Catlin is here again as co-host. And again, we thank you and are pleased to have you with us and share your opinion of some of these things too. (laughs) Especially since you are not a product of the state of Utah at all. You came in and and so you've found some very interesting things in this culture. Uh, Some people call it culture shock. I don't know what you would call it, but it's an interesting topic. Certainly a cultural adjustment. (laughs) There's things you just don't understand until you move here. True. (laughs) That is true. That's true. Um, uh, Now, this topic is going clear back to late 1880s, and some of our viewers may wonder if it's even relevant for today's progressive culture. But there's several reasons why it is relevant. The most important being, Jesus said, the root produces the fruit. And we have seen that through the decades after Utah became a state, where the LDS Church has been the deciding power and power plays in much of the legislation and politics of our state. And since polygamy continues to mushroom in Utah and in every part of the Mormon West, it is relevant. Last time we discovered that when Utah applied for statehood, they were denied until they promised to give up polygamy and to give up theocratic governing power over the people and territory of Utah. We also discussed that they made promises that they had no intention of keeping, despite the fact that their published creed claims they believe in in obeying the laws of the land. Their behavior did not match up with their claims. Now, please understand that today's Mormon polygamists have adopted and evolved into what they are today with the same attitude toward the United States government as the early Mormons had. That's why we continue to go back into the history of Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, John Taylor, the early Mormons and their false claims, because Jesus said a bad root cannot produce good fruit. And Jesus knows what he's talking about. That fruit, by the way, is not referring to having babies. I've heard some LDS people say that's what it means. We named our program, What Love Is This?, referring to polygamy, of course, because God's love could not require the pain of polygamy to make Him happy and to pave the way to heaven. God is love, and asking what love is this is a valid question when it comes to the Mormon polygamy claim that polygamy is a commandment of God. Here is a sample of the fruit of polygamy in pioneer Mormonism. Mm -hmm. When James Hunter took his second wife, the first, who had accompanied the couple to the endowment house for the ceremony, could not sleep and walked the floor all night as she thought of her husband lying in the arms of his bride. A person brought up in a polygamous household told this story. There's one real tragedy in polygamy that I can remember. One evening, a man brought home a second wife. It was winter, and the first wife was very upset. That night, she climbed onto the roof and froze to death. And I've heard this exact story written in various different biographies Mm. of the early Mormon polygamists. Um, And so it's a story that obviously was well known. 
That's the fruit of Mormon polygamy. It's not an unusual story of the tragedy and the pain and the agony of Mormon polygamy and plural families and new plural marriages. It was God who instituted monogamy, but it was Joseph Smith who instituted polygamy. The pioneer Mormons had no love for the United States of America. As an example of their attitude, we quote Heber C. Kimball. This quote gives me chills. Thank God, I say, that we are delivered from that Christian nation. Deliver me from their Christianity and from them. Oh, he's referring to the United States. Right, to the United States. I will tell you the day of our separation has come, and we are a free and independent people, isolated a thousand miles from the Christian nation, and thanks be to our God forever. Yeah, it gives me chills too. It really does. It's a, a bad thing when they can complain about um, a Christian nation like that, when, when they want to live laws that they said God gave, immoral behavior that, that they participated in, in which this booklet is, is talking about why they shouldn't be granted a state. I remember growing up in the polygamy environment, and we were frequently taught that the government hated us, it was our enemy, it conspired against us, it would destroy us if we didn't maintain secrecy, it put birth control in the water fountains so we couldn't have babies, and we had to protect our group with lies. A God who can't lie, you know. Uh, we, we couldn't trust the medical services, the policemen, the presidents, governors, mayors, uh, even our teachers at school may be out to get us and get some secret from us that would then turn around and destroy us. And this attitude produces fear, which is one of the horrible fruits of the polygamy culture. Mm -hmm. We have another quote from Reasons Why Statehood Should Not Be Granted to Utah. If Utah, as a territory, has refused to recognize the force and validity of national laws and decisions of the Supreme Court, can it be reasonably expected as a state it will do so? Can it be reasonably expected that crimes and evils which the government has failed to suppress with its supervision over a territorial government will be suppressed in a state ruled by the majority which now maintains and propagates these crimes and evils as an essential part of their religion? Notice that they're calling them evils. Yeah. They knew the truth of polygamy. Well, and, and it's interesting that Utah would even be seeking statehood with the full intention of carrying on mm -hmm. separating themselves. Which is exactly not, what this right. booklet is trying to bring out. Right. That that's what they were doing. And it must have had some effect <laughs> on Congress um, when they read this book <clears throat> because they didn't get statehood for nine more years. Now, in 1890, Utah, this, this booklet was written in 1887, and in 1890, Utah leaders decided uh, to begin the transition from polygamy to non-polygamy, but their plan wasn't to stop living polygamy, they just became more secretive about it. But in 1904, when Congress threatened to seize the church's assets, they finally submitted to the laws of the land and officially gave up polygamy for the time being, but they still believe in polygamy. They did then and they still do today. Mm -hmm. The LDS Church does. They still <clears throat> will, will seal multiple women to one man in their temple rituals, and they believe that polygamy is a part of heaven's great pleasures. This isn't true, but that's what they believe. In 1904, when the LDS Church finally threatened excommunication to practicing polygamists, many people separated from the main church and formed their own private polygamy groups. 
and they had the same attitude as the original Mormon polygamist that's described in this book. So we quote further from the publication. The commission is of the opinion that Utah should not be admitted to the union until such time as Mormon people shall manifest by their future acts that they have abandoned polygamy in good faith, and not then until an amendment shall have been made to the Constitution of the United States prohibiting the practice of polygamy. Now, there wasn't an amendment made to the United States Constitution right. uh, banning polygamy, but... Utah, Arizona, and Idaho's, which are were filled with Mormons at that time mm -hmm. and still have a huge Mormon population, their constitutions ban polygamy forever. I don't understand why it was never enforced. What uh, is it's the, not enforced now. What does the word "banned" mean? <laughs> uh, it never was banned at any any part of the of the Mormon West. But again, it just shows their deceit that they they yeah. weren't honest in what their intentions were. Um, the polygamy groups settled in these states, many states in the West, as well as other states in Mexico and Canada, and they continue <clears throat> to live in locations where polygamy is against the law, but they don't really give a fig about the law even today. The root produces the fruit. Now, as we've mentioned before, they fight to the death for their rights to American, to, uh, as American citizens to be free to live their religion, yet they deny the rights of their own members to live as free United States citizens. The Supreme Court agreed that our Constitution allows for individuals to believe however they choose, but that belief does not allow them to behave however they choose. Polygamy is not a civil right covered by our Constitution. The court reasoned, Congress cannot pass a law for the government of the territories which shall prohibit the free exercise of religion. The First Amendment to the Constitution expressly forbids such legislation. In other words, while Congress could not outlaw a belief in the correctness of polygamy, it could outlaw the practice of it. And that's an important distinction. Very you can much. believe whatever you want, right. but you cannot practice something that is against the law against of the, the law. land. Right. Exactly. But they thought that they were going against their religious right. That was their fight. So the court concluded that people cannot excuse themselves from the law because of their religion. Can a man excuse his illegal practices because of his religious belief? To permit this would be to make the professed doctrines of religious belief superior to the law of the land, and in effect, to permit every citizen to become a law unto himself. Government could exist only in name under such circumstances. And this was in 1879. Mm -hmm. Now, Brigham Young mm -hmm. said, we live above, above the, the law. law. I do, and this, so does this oh. people. Okay, So they, were, they had to get this under control before they could ever allow the statehood mm -hmm. to, to take place. A polygamists maintain that their organizations produce a lot of fruit. So what are these fruits? They make claims of righteousness, glory, large families, as well as being the good fruits of their religion. But there are dozens, even hundreds, of personal stories of the terrors, the violence, the molestation, rape, incest, theft, and child abuse that are the fruit of polygamy. And this is through the decades since Mormonism first came to Utah in 1847. A bad root cannot produce good fruit. This is what Jesus said, and he knew what he was talking about. We have some examples 
First, we have a quote from a lady who was born and bred and abused in the Kingston polygamy group, which is called the Order. She said this. In the Order, they teach that you should have as many kids as possible and as quickly as possible because there are tons of spirits waiting for their chance to come to Earth. Many people in the Order discourage breastfeeding for more than a few months, and they encourage the women to have a baby every year or a year and a half. If your baby is two years old, there's plenty of time for you to start out again. Now, that's good fruit. <sighs> this is very recent. This is 2017 that's dated. That surprised me when I saw that. They, they still teach that. It's, mm -hmm. it's current today, even today. Uh, and this is true of many polygamy <clears throat> groups, too, not just the Kingston group. Many of them teach a baby a year is, mm -hmm. is really what a woman should be doing. The early Mormons also believed in having huge families. Then and now, it doesn't matter if you can afford them. Uh, uh, have as many children as you can, and that's their agenda. Some men have dozens of children. A few of them have hundreds of children. We have more from Chanel. The women especially don't even realize the real reason they want them popping out so many kids and so often is to keep control of them, to keep them physically, mentally, and emotionally unstable and unable to cope without the group. After all, with so many kids, the moms feel like they have nowhere else to go. Who's going to help them to support their dozen kids? Not to mention, they will never have money to get themselves on their own feet. And we've come across That's that true. problem ourselves. Mm -hmm. People want to leave, but they don't dare because they've got too many kids. Mm -hmm. Or they're pregnant too, and they have all these children. Mm -hmm. How are they going to support? And what can they do? Nobody will want them. It's horrible. It's just a tragedy. It's not fruit. It's a tragedy. Many people have heard the saying, uh, keep them barefoot and pregnant. You know, I'm not all surprised if the polygamous <laughs> coined that phrase to start with. I don't know. But that's precisely their order of business. More children, more workers for low pay, more members to grow the group. And when they become young adults, these many children will produce many more children. And pretty soon they will be unstoppable. And maybe they are already by now. I don't know. The more baby girls that are born, the more plural wives will be available in the future to the older men. That's some of the fruit of Mormon polygamy. One more quote from Chanel about the huge families. Nobody with low-paying jobs can support a family that size, especially when the mom is the only one trying to support their kids. The order claims that they will help take care of their people by providing low-paying jobs and a place to live, which is owned by the order and usually cheaper than renting most places on the outside. But what about feeding and clothing the kids? Well, they strongly discourage wasting food, and so too often the kids are eating old, bad, and even food from dumpsters. Also, many of the kids are wearing clothes that are too big, too small, or ripped or torn and have holes. <laughs> Describes well, my childhood. That's true in a lot of families. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember the first time I got a brand new dress. Oh, I'm telling you, that was someday. Um, and then my mom didn't want me to have it. You know, I had to wear my old, old ugly clothes. Uh, but this pretty well describes uh, what life is like in polygamy group. Not just the Kingston group, but it's a good example. There's a lot of depression, especially mm -hmm. among teens as well as plural wives. There's a lot of abuse, not only against the wives, but also child abuse, some of it too awful to even talk about. I saw and experienced some of it myself. Physical abuse is called discipline, and none of it was done with the attitude of mercy and or love. We have part of a story of a young man who fled the Kingston group several years ago. He talks about his family, his siblings, his father, and his abuse. His name is Val Snow, and this is more fruit of polygamy. We quote from an article about his experiences. 
Val Snow, 35, grew up in Utah in a strict community called the Kingston Group, officially known as the Davis County Cooperative Society and internally as the Order. The Order is a cult that was started during the Great Depression, which promotes polygamy and incest to keep bloodlines pure. Val is the oldest of the 12 children that his mother gave birth to in the cult and has over 150 half-siblings. There you go. 150 brothers or sisters. How do you like that? Hmm. Through the years, we've discussed and interviewed many people who were raised in the Kingston Polygamy Group. Each one tells a horror story of their abusive treatment, indoctrination, extreme poverty in which they were forced to live. I also was born and raised in the Kingston Group. It's true that truth is stranger than fiction, especially regarding this particular topic. And the other polygamy groups are no exception, as the fruits are the same in each group. At the time of his interview a few years ago, he had 162 siblings. Mm. There's more now. I don't know how many more, but you know there's more now. All from the same father had different mothers who were the plural wives of his father, who was Daniel Kingston. Now, as is typical in the Kingston polygamy group, children of uh, polygamous wives do not know that their father is their father. From the cradle, they're lied to about who their father is and are told a a fictitious story about a mythical dad who never comes to see them. Daniel Kingston, his biological father, did not take the loving, caring, providing fatherly role in Val's family. His mother is Daniel's seventh wife. Daniel's, or Val said this. He added, he and his father didn't really hang out a lot, and when they did, he was being punished or abused. Daniel's way of raising kids was to first establish fear, and then with fear comes respect, and with respect comes love. That is his philosophy. That's backwards, isn't it? A little bit. He also expressed that he has a lot of respect for his mother. A lot of my experiences with my mother are my mom rescuing me from him, he admitted. Okay. So, and I've heard a lot of people say that. They they respected their Mm -hmm. mother. And, of course, they can look back and see what she had to go through uh, just, just to be, stay alive. Now, a little information about Daniel Kingston, maybe for our viewers who are not aware of who he is. In 1999, Daniel Kingston was sentenced to prison for beating his 16-year-old daughter with a belt until she passed out. He beat her unmercifully because she ran away from an arranged marriage she had been forced into. It was a polygamous marriage to his brother, her uncle, as his 16th wife. She didn't want to do it. She ran away. And he beat her up. This is the fruit of Mormon polygamy. There's more. Because polygamists have such large families, and it's a rare man who can support 150 children and over a dozen wives, they force the wives to work to support their own families and put the children to work as well. We quote Val again. Val also had to pay child support, which was a ruse to send money straight to the church and relied on dumpster diving to help his mom support nine children. He revealed he got his first job at age eight, working at a store which was owned by the Order, working for probably 10 cents an hour, everything that's earned going to the Order's bank, and every member only seeing an account balance monthly. They take your money and they don't give it back. Mm-hmm. You know, they rarely give back. They don't give back what you give them, that's for sure. 
when growing up, we were warned that every diamond, penny, and dollar belongs to the Lord, and the Lord has appointed the Kingston Polygamy Group as his official banker. All money must be consecrated to him, which means turn it over to them. Money that is not turned into their church banking system is cursed. And if you buy anything with unconsecrated money, it is also cursed. If you decide to leave the group permanently and take out all your money from their bank, you forfeit your salvation. Mm. Polygamy groups are huge money-making pyramid schemes. Next, Val talks about his abuse. Beyond the physical abuse, there was sexual abuse from my father. And the crazy part was, I don't know to this day that he was actually finding pleasure in the sexual side of it. He enjoys seeing someone in pain. Whenever he's nice, that's when you know you're in trouble or something bad is going to happen, he said. We went on a truck drive and he was going to teach me how to drive a truck and it ended up being where I got molested and then beat afterwards, he somberly recalled. He noted that when their moms weren't around, Daniel would beat the kids until they were bleeding and crying. It's just hard to read some of this. And, and I know it's not made up stuff. I know it's true. I, I know it's true because of my own personal experiences mm -hmm. and others that are close to me. According to many who have told their stories after leaving this polygamy group, no matter if you're male or female, they were molested, raped, uh, subjugated to humiliation, and this abuse was repeated numerous times during their childhood. It was often from fathers and brothers or uncles or cousins or just some other person in the group itself. This is the fruit of Mormon polygamy. The fourth governor of the territory of Utah, who was appointed by Abraham Lincoln, was Stephen Harding. From the publication outlining why Utah should not be granted statehood, we quote his comments on the Mormons defying the Supreme Court and Congress regarding polygamy. I take this occasion to warn the people of this territory against such dangerous and disloyal courses. The individual citizen, under no circumstances whatever, has the right to defy any law or statute of the United States with impunity. In so doing, he takes upon himself the risk of the penalties of that statute, be they what they may, in case his judgment be in error. The Constitution has amply provided how and where all such questions of doubt are to be submitted and settled in the courts constituted for that purpose. And that's exactly right. That's right. If the polygamists want to change the law, do it the, do the it, way do that it is the outlined way. to you. Exactly. Yeah. Rather than thumbing their noses at it. Uh, but the advice and the recommendations of Governor Harding was not heeded. The Mormon people continue to violate the law with impunity and under the territorial regulations, the courts were powerless to enforce and execute the provisions of the law. There was valid doubt that if Utah as a territory refused to recognize the law and the decisions of the Supreme Court, there was no reason to believe that it would submit to the laws if they became a state, which we read in one right. of your other quotes. It was during uh, the April 1904 LDS General Conference when President Joseph F. Smith delivered a statement known as the Second Manifesto. He said that plural marriages were forbidden by God and the church, and the penalty for entering new polygamy marriages would be enforced. What a God changes his mind. Political pressure changes his mind. Of course, the, this second manifesto stripped away the requirements of the commandment of God. 
which they held on to so strongly for so many years. It's, it's really odd God that does these kinds of things. And of course, the Mormon doctrine itself says that the decrees of God cannot be changed. So they, they even violated their own religion. Now, this has been just a very brief history of how Utah became what it is today. Utah is among the top states in the nation for suicide and rape and mental illness and use of antidepressants and other negative things. We see the fruits of the root of Mormon polygamy. And the Bible says it doesn't get better. It goes from bad to worse. It says men will go from bad to worse. Unless they give up what they're doing, repent, turn. Mm -hmm. So that's just part of the booklet. The booklet was very interesting to read. I have it in PDF. I can send it to anybody who wants to email me and ask for it if you're interested in reading it yourself. You can go to Doris at childrenrefuge.org <laughs> and request that book. Looking at me, I can't help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. My, you know, your mind kind of goes, hiccup there. Anyway, yeah. So thanks, Dorothy. I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate your participation, your help. You know, polygamy groups teach that water baptism is the agent by which our sins are washed away. They teach that if we sin after our sins are washed away, all our previous sins return back to us. Well, that's not true. First of all, water baptism does not wash away our sins. It is not the born-again experiences they claim. And God promises that when we are cleansed of our sin, they are gone forever. What a difference there is in the bad news of Mormonism and the good news of Jesus Christ. It is His blood that washes away our sins, not water baptism. And Jesus promised in John chapter 10 that once we become His, no one can snatch us out of His hand. What an encouraging, amazing gospel. Trust what Jesus did on the cross for you and forget the dead works of polygamy and all that goes with it. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.